Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Thoughtful Ho. I'm your host, The Thoughtful Ho, and today I'm here with Miss Lady Ice. Hey, everybody. (laughs) So, tell me a little bit about yourself. Let everybody know who Miss Lady Ice is. Hey, my name is Lady Ice, a.k.a. Toronto's most requested Trafalala. I am a dancer and entertainer. I guess you. I guess as of lately, I've been like a public figure. <laughs> um, I've been dancing in. I've been dancing period for a little bit over ten years, exotically ten years. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm just doing me. <laughs> How'd you get into it? Uh, I first started dancing like hip hop, reggae, dancehall, that type of stuff. I got into it through a mutual friend. Um, she was saying she was going to dance practice one day, and I was like, what the hell is dance practice? Because I was definitely like a track star, athletic, and I was like, what's dance practice? So I went, and I kind of seen the movement, seen, like, heard the music. Um, I grew up in a very church household, so I was I was introduced to dance hall and reggae and all of that. And I was like, hey, I, like, you know, I kind of want to start to learn. So I started to learn. I was pretty good at it in a dance crew, that whole dance crew wave. And then moving forward after a little bit after high school, or like um, I would say like grade 11, grade 12, um, you know, my friends, I was introduced to exotic dancing, but I never started dancing until I was like 20. So two of my best friends were dancers and they kind of hid it for me for a little while. And then one day they're like, yo, come to this bar. So I went to the bar and I walked in and I was like, oh, people are naked. (laughs) Okay, what's going on here? And so they're like, yeah, you know, we're dancers and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, started hanging out over there, but not really like entertaining the idea of dancing. And then they dared me one night. There was amateur night. And they're like, yeah, you should try it. Because at at that time, I was a really good like dancer in the scene and stuff. So I said, okay, let me try it. And then after my first night, I was like, I'm kind of hooked on this. And it wasn't so much the the money. It was more the entertainment aspect because I was really good on stage. It took me a while to be good on, you know, how to talk to people and, you know, be sexy to them. So that's turned into this. <laughs> well, you said that you were like an athlete and stuff. Do you feel like that helped? Oh, definitely. Because um, even being on stage... And it's just mainly stamina. Like, you know, I had really good stamina, really good core strength. So when I first started dancing to keep up with, because I was really dancing with the girls, I was dancing with the guys. So I was keeping up with them. And then when I started dancing exotically, I realized how much it helps, like even pole work. Um, It's a lot harder than you think to stand on stage and dance for 10 minutes straight. You know, especially if these songs like three and a half minutes, you have to dance the full song. To dance for 10 minutes straight is a lot. So it helps me. It helps me even now, like, you know, with just, like, regular movement, flexibility, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I I tried. I, I super <laughs> terrible. I'm, I have no upper body strength, no core strength. I look like a dying fish. Oh, no. <laughs> it was not cute. And then I got a pole in my house, and... Nice. Nope, still shit, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, at first, like, I wasn't, I wasn't so much pole. Like, I was mainly, like, floor work, dancing, entertainment. I would do certain pole tricks, but I have a fear of... Because I do gymnastics, too, and acrobatics. The part that kills me is because I can front flip, I can't back flip. I have a fear of that. So initially, I wasn't doing most of the advanced intermediate tricks on the pole because I was scared of falling. And I fell off the pole a couple times. So, like, even now, I'm good at it, but I'm not great. So I just ordered a pole, too, because I had a pole before in my house, and it, it was furniture. It just, it was there for the look. It was there for my little house parties. But, like, now I'm beginning, even at my old ass age, to, like, get more into, like, the whole whole aerial stuff and kind of overcome that fear so trust me I get it (laughs) yeah my I think my biggest fear is like when you have a pole in your house it falling I think that's like my biggest fear like it just yeah it it just depends on the pole that you have Mm -hmm. um if anybody is buying a pole I recommend that you get um if you look up expo us expo Mm -hmm. most of the poles have a dome on the top 
when you have the dome at the top, it balances the friction and the t- and the the tug of it, so it doesn't fall as easily. I think not at all, really, but it doesn't fall as if you just get a, free, a straight standing pull with just a small disc like this big and that big on the bottom. Yep, that was my first pull, and then yeah, then that's when I that's why I had an issue, and <laughs> yeah. now it's all about the X pull because right <laughs> yeah it just seems to be like they have so many different like versions too so well depending on depending on on what you try to do i recommend for people who are just starting out start off with a static pull a static pull is a pull does move it's just there once you get a little bit comfortable get a spinning pull but most pulls have that option to do static and spinning so I have, I'm getting um, a spinning and static pole, but I also got a pole that has um, grips on it. So it's like a padding thing. And it's easier oh. instead of always using hand grip all the time. Because when I'm at work, I use hand grip and it kills my hand. But it's good for when you're at work and like if you sweat and stuff. When I'm practicing now, it's good to just not have to use that. And you kind of can just free base and do what you want. So... Yeah, I heard about that stuff. It took me a while to figure all of that out. I heard about pull grip, and I was like, I guess I need this. Like, I don't know. Definitely, it made it. It makes such a big difference to get pull grip. There's different type of. There's like chalk pull grip, and then there's one that it it has a consistency of like hair grease. So it goes on your hands, and then it starts to get sticky after about like thirty seconds to a minute. I would recommend that if you have normally like. Um, sweaty hands and get the chalk one. Mm. See, these are the things mm-hmm. that and you don't just know. put it on your hand. You put it on your inside thigh. You put it on your leg because, especially when you're wrapping and doing different things, it, it you hold better. Yeah, I feel like I got a, like a lot of bruises on my body, and I clearly I didn't know what I was doing. Anyways, I went to a couple of places <laughs> and. Yeah. Didn't know what I was doing. End up with a bunch of bruises. So, yeah, clearly I need to like definitely start putting that in the thighs, especially right. when they got thick thighs. Like they already touch. There's right. No thigh so gap. Put it in your thighs, like by like your knee area and stuff. It just makes a big, big, big difference. Was it ever awkward being on stage, like the center of attention? Did it make you feel weird having people looking at you? Yeah, because when. Like, in the dance hall, people look at you, but there's so many other people doing the exact same thing where it's not so center-focused. Unless, like, you know, I go up and I do something cool or whatever. It's, like, for the moment. So I can blend in and, you know, blend out. When you're on stage, you are the center of attention for that 10 minutes, whether if you're shit or if you're good, people are just, like, staring at you. So in my mind, I was like, okay, like, are they looking at my thighs? Like, and my shaved all the way? Like, you know, like, it was just different things for me because I wasn't used to all that attention. And then you mix in the fact that you're getting naked at the same time. So it was the pressure of, like, being sexy, being seductive, making my moves, making it look like I know what I'm doing, all at the same time of taking off my clothes. So it was pressure. It was definitely, like, a lot of, Oh, what am I really doing this for? And I guess like the reward was the money. The reward was the compliments because I knew I could dance. I just didn't. I was still trying to figure out how to tie in everything together. And then after a while, you know, you have other girls that are doing the same thing. And when you start getting in that environment, it, it makes you a little bit more comfortable, you know, because I wasn't ice anymore. I was diamond in the club, you know, so you take on a whole different persona yeah. and it gives you a different level of confidence, you know, um, because you, in that seven hours or however long I'm in the club, like I'm completely so different. I could be anything that I wanted to be. It took me a while to get to that mind, the mind state. But after that, I was, I was okay. Was, what are the things that like go through your mind when you're on stage? <laughs> me, food. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm always thinking of food. Um, thinking, you know, how how does this move look? Do I look okay? Like, you know, why is he staring at me? Why hasn't he tipped me yet? Kind of thing. Like, it's just a multitude of things, and depends. I and mean, sometimes I'm not thinking about anything. Sometimes I'm just 
literally in my own head thinking about the music, you know, because you get to dance to whatever you want to, permitting, depending on the club, because some clubs will be like, oh, we don't want to hear all that black music. And I'm like, I don't want to hear all that black music either. <laughs> you know, there are clubs, there are rules. So it's, yeah. it's, I'm just kind of in my own head most of the time. So tell me a little bit about your strip film, your doc. I watched it and I liked it. <laughs> Tantos. Yeah, I've been. And I hope just, everybody can see it. Yeah, um, I so good. A short, I released a short documentary, um, just a little bit about me and what was going on at the at the time. Um, and it was crazy because it wasn't something that it was something that I manifested. It wasn't something that I sourced myself. They actually came to me. So um, a couple of students from Humber College was doing a film project and they were asking people, you know, what, who, I guess, who in Toronto they should do this documentary on. And they got two references to do the documentary on me. So his name is Javon Borland and he's the director and he called me. Well, I gave him my, my contact. And when we first spoke, he was just like, he ran it down, like the basis of it. And I was like, all right, cool. He was like, okay, so tell me a little bit about you. And at the time, it was it was so transitional because I was this public figure. Everybody knew I can dance in Toronto. I just got on a major show, an all-male review show that was going around for years called AMW. And I, at that time, I became the first female dancer on the show ever. And then, you know, I was doing a whole bunch of shows in Toronto. I was traveling. I just got on with the Travel Group called Mocha Fest. And... It was just a lot of things happening all at once. So I was telling them all this stuff and then telling my background and where I'm coming from. And we ended up staying on the phone for like three, four hours. So at the end of it, he was just like, okay, I'm going to pitch it to my team and let you know, I think about a week or two after that. He was like, okay, this is what we want to do. Cool. So we start filming. And when I told him, I was like, I don't have like a set schedule. Like apart from the things that I already know I'm going to do like shows or, you know, um, hosting parties and stuff. Like, you're just going to have to come on the road with me. He said, fine. So, shout out to Javon, because I had Javon up at all hours of the night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a show. I have a show downtown. Come through. He's like, all right, cool. And he would come with his camera. And from 9 o'clock to life, was getting ready to 5 o'clock in the morning when I was like, okay, like, party's done now. <laughs> he, go, he could go home. And he was so intense. Like, so he just caught all types of aspects of what was going on within that year. Um, you know, to me, even getting on Soka shows and stuff, like when they did the band launches and stuff. So he filmed that and pitched it to the school. So at the time when he pitched it, everybody was like, what do you mean? You're doing a documentary on a stripper. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And his, um, the faculty staff even was questioning him about it. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) Like, is this even, like, what kind of rated R are we talking about when it comes to like strippers and that whole set? And I told him the light that I wanted to be shown on it, and especially me being in the LGBT community and me being in a heteronorm community as well, just to see where I'm coming from, especially being a black woman in that industry. And he pitched it, it went well, and then we went to filming even more stuff, and we put it all together and it became stripped. And it's something that it's it's crazy how when we manifest things and they come into play, but just I was so scared of what of how it was going to be perceived because at that moment, everybody knew things about me, but they just didn't know like the personal, personal side of me. Unless you were my friend before or you know me or been around me, there's a lot of things that people didn't know. And it was kind of like an, an open letter doc <laughs> for a lot of people to see like, hey, like, this is Lady Ice, but this is actually like Lady Ice kind of thing. Um, so it was dope, a really dope experience. So hopefully everybody can see it online at stripfilm.ca. Firstly, so yeah, I'm gonna make sure that the link is gonna be in the bio of the podcast, so everybody could check it out. How did it nice. feel having camera follow you and your moves? Like, your every move from the minute you um, got ready to the minute you were on stage and performing. It's crazy because I, I am an avid documentary watcher. <laughs> I love documentaries, any Same. type of documentaries. Um, so 
I was kind of prepared for it in that sense. I was just, at the time, I didn't know what I was going to film, what I, it was going to look like, you know. Um, you watch certain documentaries, you're like, oh, like, that person, that's so glamorous, or, you know, they do this, maybe that, and I, I didn't really do much, like, you know, I'd go shopping before a show, maybe if I had to, you know, get my makeup done, or, you know, even during the show, I'm just in the back, probably listening to me. I hear music outside, and I more, more, more than likely have headphones in my ear listening to my own shit. So it, was, it wasn't um, a crazy experience for me having the cameras around until we did production. Production yeah. was a lot because I had literally a team of eight, nine people following me around. You know, before it was just me and Javon, and Javon would just like act normal. I, I definitely acted normal. You know, my friends act normal until the production part. I was walking through the mall, and they're all walking through the mall with these stripped t-shirts on, and everybody's looking at me like, "What is going on here? Like, who is her?" So, but all in all, it was, it was a cool experience too. Would you do it again if you had the chance? Oh, definitely, definitely. For America's Most Wanted. You were the only female, like the first female and the only female that they had for their exotic right. review. How was that? How did you feel when you got up on stage? A long time coming because at that time, I've been asking AMW to go on their show for like two years. So I'm very, um, like if I want something, I'm very, very, very persistent. And, uh, like, some things that, at the time, I was like, you know, I just need to, like, push myself out there, get myself out there, get myself on as many shows as I can. Because at the time, I wasn't, I couldn't travel to the States um, because of a, how would you put it? I just had, like, a, a mishap <laughs> going to the border. So every time I went to the States, it was very, like, I just went to go see my family. I wasn't going to be dancing up there because I didn't want to get in trouble. And most of the girls who are coming from the States to Canada were getting 10-year, 5-year bans. So I was, like, trying to do as much as I can in Toronto, kind of like that subside, and then, like, you know, head over. So I see America's Most Wanted. I heard about it. I've never been to a show before, but all my friends were like, you know, this is a really big show. You should try and get on it. It's okay. So I hit up the, the, the promoters, and I was like, you know, I gave them my little press kit, gave them my talk, and I was like, you know, I would love to get on your show. They're like, what do you do? I'm a dancer. Oh, okay, what about it? I was like, you can see my shows. You can see the posts that I do on Instagram. You can see, you know, you can talk to anybody. Like, I think I'd be a good, good addition to your show. And they were not having it. They were like, okay, yeah, cool. And kind of just pushing to the wayside. Second year, I started doing a little bit more stuff, you know, getting on a lot more videos. And I would send them my stuff and be like, listen, this is like, you know, I think I would be a real good addition to the show. He was like, mm, no, I don't think so. Mm, maybe not to talk to my partner. So the sex show at the exhibition place was happening, and he said, all right, cool, you know, I'll, I'll try you out. So I went to the sex show, and he was like, I'm having one of my top performers, you know, promote the show while we're there. We're going to have a booth, and I want you to come. And I guess he was betting me to see how my interaction would be with people, if people recognize me and stuff. And, you know, I had a really good three days, the full three days from Friday to Sunday at Exhibition Place. And then the time came was when I had to go on stage to perform with the dancer. And we had a really good show. Like, everybody was cheering. So when I came off, he was like, yeah, you're on the show. And I was like, <laughs> yay. That's what you worked for. <laughs> like, finally. So then, even more so to that, the day of the show. So day of AMW, they promote me. I have people coming. It's a lit show. When I get there, he was like, I think the day before, no, 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 I think the day before I was asking the format of the show, he was like, well, just come, don't worry, you'll be fine. So I made a mix, had my show done. When I got there, I was like, so, okay, what number am I? And he was like, what do you mean? You're going to go on with the guy that you're performing at the thing show. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's not going to work for me. I said, I want my own space, my own time. I'm not going on as a plus one. And then he was looking at me like, you sure you can handle that? And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely sure. So when I, when I got on stage, it was like, I had no time to be nervous. I had no time to second guess shit. I was like, I need to kill this because I need to get on the show again. 
And yeah, it was a it was a fantastic show. Shout out all the ladies that were there. They made me feel so like at home. They weren't like, you know, like who's this girl? Why is she touching me? They like let me do my thing. And after that, he was like, Okay, like, you're on the show now. I was like, it took all of that, but in my mind I'm like, Yes, 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 yes. Like you, you proved know, yourself and you made sure oh, yeah. that you came and you killed it. That one shot, right. you were like, this is my one shot, and you killed it. It literally was my one shot because, you know, they have their format that's been working for them. So they were like, you know, we're taking a chance on you. And, you know, the girls will tell me if they don't like you. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I had a lot of pressure, yeah. but it was a milestone that I knew that I wanted, you know, under my belt. So it was it was a really dope experience. And so now I'm more like I dance on a couple of shows, but like now he kinda just like you've seen in the in the in the documentary, he's like more now handing me the reins to like be a part of the show. Like I am now helping with booking the dancers and coordinating the show. So it's definitely dope being a part of that and getting from there to that in such a short amount of time. That's so amazing. Like I feel like I'm so proud of you. That's a lot of work. And to prove yourself to someone who kind of, like, doubted you, I feel like it's, like, the best feeling ever. Like, you doubted me, and now look what I'm doing with you. Like, (laughs) you questioned every single thing up until I got on stage. And now, like, you want my input. (laughs) Like, that's, it's crazy. I, I don't even know how to even put it into words like (laughs) thank you do you think being a woman of color like fetishizes you at all if it was her fetishizes you like makes it seem like a like oh this because from black girl even in even in the club um like in the sex industry you face a lot of colorism and it's when you, okay, for instance, and I was talking about this like a few days ago, when for me as a, as a black woman and being a dark-skinned black woman, it's like when you get to the club, I can be dressed just like this or even like just to the nines, like I'm going to a wedding or, you know, I'm going to a fashion show and by the time I get to the door, that's the first thing they see. They don't even care if you open up your mouth. They don't care if you dance. The first thing they look at you, they're like, oh, you're a black woman? Hmm. Well, I don't know. We already have two black girls for the night. And I'm looking at them like, what does what that even mean? <laughs> we already have two black girls. Like, so what? Versus then, like, of the club will have a 30-girl limit. There's 28 white girls versus the two black girls. Seriously? Or they'll have 25 white girls, two black girls, and three, like, one would probably more so pastor Italian or Spanish or however. So getting into certain uh, quote-unquote prestigious clubs or the higher-up clubs weren't always readily like accessible to girls of color. Or you would have to go far out, like places like Kingston or Barrie or Timmins, where they would take you, but the clientele is not always the greatest. You know, and then... It's not accessible. Like, if I live in Toronto and I do not drive, you expect me to go 45 minutes, an hour out of the city every night, and then timing and all of that. So it it was um, hard for me when I first started out because I was started out at Airport Strip, and it started out as five of us black girls and then cutting it down to just me and my friend. And me and my friend were the two token black girls in the club. So now when guys come in, they only had me and, or her to choose from. I was on the smaller scale of things. She was like, she looked like video victim and stuff. And I was the more athletic, the, you know, entertainer. And I literally had guys tell me, I just, I just want to dance with you and like touch your bum. Yeah. I get it. But like, really? That's it? You don't want to touch my arm? Like, you just don't want to touch my bum? Right. Because if they're looking at it like, oh, you're the black girl with the ass. And white girls don't have ass. Like, the black girl has the ass, you know? Where they would sit down with me and immediately think that I want Hennessy. I do. So why didn't you ask me first? <laughs> like, why didn't you ask me first? Maybe I want a glass of Pinot Grigio. Like, nothing. And 
And then coming into now that you have the phase of dancing being more seen as entertainment as opposed to it being so taboo, you still go into these clubs and they tell you, like, you know, I don't want you to dance to black music, okay? But you want me to be the token black girl that's flipping off the stage and blowing on my head up, right? That's it. So it, you're supposed to do all that to Britney Spears. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So definitely, definitely fetishized, but again, it, it comes with the territory, right? Because then, you know, Spanish girls can say that other girls of color can say that too. You know, they would fetishize the white girl that has a big ass. You know, they call them pogs for a fat ass white girl. <laughs> you know? They everybody kind of gets fetishized. I think just women in general won't get fetishized, but definitely like the black girl gets discriminated and fetishized at the same time. So it's definitely more of like a mind fuck for us as it is opposed to it being praise for other women. What are your thoughts towards people that say exotic dancers and dancing has a bad reputation and like how are you gonna make it out of having that stigma i think because of just how taboo it was um before i want to say like 2015 2015 and that is mainly because of how underground it was you know we went to the club and you know you have Girls that are legitimately there just to dance, and you have girls that have other intentions and stuff. It's all a part of the sex trade, sex work umbrella. Um, so there are some girls that that do it and have this kind of persona, like I need to, I'm gonna do it, but I need to act like this. Then you have girls like myself who are just like I'm doing it, but it's not really something that I'm celebrating because for me it's a job like this is like how I make my money this is how I eat I don't have to go outside and be like I'm that stripper now fast forward to 2015 where it became cool to to strip now it's like you can't talk you can't say nothing to me because I'm making this amount of money in the club and whatever whatever so when people are just like yeah it's just a bad reputation it's just like why you know if I want to be a stripper how does that necessarily affect you and why should it affect me? Yeah. You know, how I am as a person and what I do for a living are two different things. Now, they're judging off of other other women and other girls who have that, you know, the bad rep, like, oh, well, I'm a stripper and I'm a hoe and all these things. And it's just like, okay, fine, but I'm not judging the fact that you want a hoe or you want to be a stripper or whatever. I'm actually judging you off of your attitude. <laughs> You know, you have a whole-ass attitude. I'm going to judge you off a whole-ass attitude. I'm not judging you because you're a hoe. You know? Yeah. So that's why people are always going to have this stigma that, like, it's such a bad thing based off of bad experiences. And I think anybody can have that. You yeah. know, you can be a lawyer. You can be a shitty fucking lawyer. You can be a, like, you a shitty lawyer and have niggas locked up all the time. Or you can just be a fucking evil lawyer that like, you don't do it on purpose. There's some people who just they just no matter what they what it is, you can still have a bad light on it. It's just because it falls under that whole taboo umbrella sex work and stuff. That's why it's like at the forefront of oh, it's just crazy and bad and whatever. But again, I'm a testament to that because I started off stripping and it opened doors to so many other things. You know, I've yeah. traveled places. I've been, I did a show for Mac Cosmetics. Like, that's crazy coming from that. And the person who put me on is in the ballroom, but knew I was a stripper. Like, knew that. And it didn't matter none because of my personality. So you can come out of anything. It's just how you carry yourself. Yeah. You were able to create something from something that has a stigma to it and has a stigma towards it you're able to like kind of like piggyback off of it and yeah. create your own like your own path and your own future based off of it so that's, that's the thing pretty- like no one pressured me into this i i assess the risk the pros and cons to it you know and then there's other people that assess risk and assess pros and cons and stuff but like that is their like 
that's like their last resort or they feel like that's their last resort. I don't feel like anybody should be judged based off of that. You know? So, I don't know. I just get like, I don't want to say emotional when it comes to like people like discriminating, but it's just like it doesn't make any type of sense to me because the same people that will discriminate against you are the same people that will go inside the club and take a snap and be like, oh my God, look where I am and look at this and look at that, but then turn around and downplay yeah, you know, it just it made no sense to me, and that was that was what I went through my first year. That because I was dancing, people knew I danced. I just wasn't like, "Hey, come see me at the club." When I started dancing in 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 dance hall spaces or hip hop spaces or at events in clubs, again, when it became cool to have dancers at parties, the same people who I knew were talking about me are the same people now that were praising me. I'm like, oh my God, you're so sick. You're oh, now they're sick. celebrating like, you because they see your success. Right, and, it, and it's not taboo anymore. It's, it's not downplayed anymore. And, it, and, it's, and, 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 and in some cases, it still is. Like, you still want me to come and entertain you at this party, but then turn around and call me a stripper. And I'm just a stripper, and I'm just this, and oh, I swear, your age, and you still dancing, and I'm like, what? Like, you said there was a cat, <laughs> like, you know. So I don't know. It's it's just crazy to me, and I feel like that that type of um, you know thing should be actually dispelled at this point because who cares? Exactly. I feel like when yeah. you decide to do something and it involves the sex industry, all of a sudden people think of it as a last resort or you're really doing this because you can't do anything else or you've tried and you've failed at other things and it's not that case it's sometimes it's just people want to entertain and like a lot of people that I know that are strippers have said it's just because they like dancing they like entertaining yeah I love it so like sometimes there's days where there's days where like I there's days where I'm like annoyed, but that's mainly because like, you know, I'm sick or, you know, you know, sometimes it's the environment that you're going to go into, especially when it's just like, a, you know, you're partying, you kind of walk around, you can't, you know, you have the guys that try to grab your ass and all that type of stuff. And at that point, it can kind of get annoying. But again, like, I try to always be in spaces that, you know, have some type of security or you know i i have people around me that i can go to be like this person's bothering me like please talk to them and that's what i encourage in any type of event like always have always it be a safe space if that's what you choose to do you know yeah and if somebody wants to get into sex work and all of that like why are you making it so much about you as opposed to you going to them and being like hey like what do you need from me for you to be okay? You know? Like, I have girls that were like, oh, they want to dance. And I, I never, like, encouraged it. I was just like, all right, cool. If that's what you want to do, fine. Here's my number. If you need anything, let me know. Like, stop, you know, like, stop getting at people and telling them not to do something versus helping them or giving them an outlet in case anything happens. Because you don't know people's situations. Mm-hmm. You know, and then other people just actually want to dance. Like, let them fucking dance, Sam. <laughs> How was the reaction when you first posted something that was provocative and, like, in that realm of, like, you're stripping? How was that reaction when you put that up? Well, before then, I wasn't really posting provocative things like that, and that was mainly because I kept. At that time, like, camera phones weren't really that great. (laughs) (laughs) Pixels. You know, and, like, like, it wasn't a thing for us to be in the club and taking a picture of ourselves at the club. And if we did, it was, like, in the back, kind of, like, we have it to yourself, you know, you sent it to your... Digital camera type deal? (laughs) Um, So it it wasn't for social media. The first time I did, it wasn't because I did, it was because of, I did a show called Aries Explosion. There's a promoter in Toronto called British Fun Squad and Fun Squad Entertainment. And they had a, it's his birthday party called Aries Explosion. So he hit me up and he was like, I want you to be on the show. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like I was surprised that he asked me. I was just surprised at, like, because he gets a crowd. 
you know, like it's upwards to like 500 to 1,000 people at his party usually. So I was like, uh, do I really want to do this? Like, are you sure? Because I knew I was stepping out of the, for lack of a better term, shadows of it. You know, people came to my club and they seen me dance before. I've never been in the middle of a party instead of dancing. After the show, people had like videos and, and you know, kind of pictures and stuff with me. So I was getting tagged a lot on Facebook. The responses were kind of like up and down, I guess you could say. Um, a lot of people don't, even if it's like so much negative, it, I get a lot of negative feedback from like like ghost pages and stuff. Oh, so, so it was just like someone directly coming to me saying something, or they would say things to me in uh, uh, at a party. Like most of the older people that I knew were kind of like, "Oh, so you're a dancer? You're doing this, and you're doing." And I'm like, "What am I doing? I'm like, I'm making a living. I'm not on the street begging. Like I'm okay. Like where I'm at." Yeah. versus other people being like you know that's so dope and you know like you don't do your dancing but we never knew you were that sick because they never seen me in a capacity like that yeah. so I was mainly worried about my mom because like you know my mom was on my Facebook my church my my church associates were on my on my Facebook yeah you know my peers and stuff and so I was worried that at the time I stopped attending that particular church that I grew up in like way before that actually but I was Really, that people would just start going up to my mom and start having all these questions for her, which she didn't even have an answer to because me and my mom don't really talk a lot about my dancing. It's just like she knows it's there. She's more along the lines of like, if you're doing the damn thing, do the damn thing. We're just not going to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. I'll take it. But um, so yeah, that was my only real concern. I never had like a lot of feedback from pictures. It's like. In a negative tone, if anything, it's more like, oh, you're sick and your body's nice and stuff, which I always appreciate. So. Do you think that social media changed the aspect of how you get to interact with people? Oh, for sure. Because, um, good and bad. Because I feel like now, then, you had to have more of a social interaction with people. Just even on all fronts, like even relationships and stuff. Like, yeah, you can say a one-two text or and like whatever on Facebook, but it was more like, it was more, I think, authentic when you've seen people yeah. or, you know, you're in a space as opposed to now you don't even have to leave your house to watch something. You can just literally like go on Insta Live or, you know, go on Zoom and all these things. So for me, it changed for good and bad. Um, I have definitely a lot more reach. And there's a lot more reach to the audience in terms of feeling connected with certain things. I feel a big disconnect. So, I don't know. It's been up and down. How do you feel about people that like to, like, slut shame? Uh, it's their internal insecurities and or it's their own insecurities and or self-loathing. It's kind of their self-insecurities and their self-loathing. Some of it is generational. Because, you know, we've always grew up to believe that, you know, brainers are the worst part, worst type of women. And, you know, you give head and you do this or you do that. Or, like, people who suck pussy and all these other things. It just becomes a thing. So, but for me, it's like, if that person, if that person decides to do that with their body, why does it bother you so much? You know, I get in a sense where some people, like, do it from a sense of, like, you know, hurt. Like, hey, I must have been with somebody, and, you know, they were just talking to East, West, and North, so they're a slut, and fuck them, and blah, blah, blah. Other people, it comes from generational, like, a, a lack of even experience. You know, there was a lot of girls saying, I would never give head, and nah, nah, nah. They end up doing it to the one person, and, you know, that one person hurts them, so they're just like, fuck it, all together. Yeah. Or they just don't know. Because sex education is not really, it's it's taught, but it's not really, like, a thing. You know, some some people's parents are just like, I don't want you teaching my kids about sex. Well, if you did, then they wouldn't be outside fucking getting at people <laughs> for them wanting to do whatever they want with their bodies. Because, yep. you know, we're taught that sex is, sex is normal, but it's not celebrated. 
How did you get your name? Uh, when I when I first started dancing, the way that I I learned, I if somebody's teaching me something, I need to see it in front of me. So the guy who was doing it or teaching me how to dance, his name was Ice. So because I emulated his footwork and you know his body and whatever. When we were going, when we went out and was you know having dance battles and stuff, everybody's like, "Yo, that's little baby ice, that's baby ice." And so it started from there. Then when I won my first dance competition, I was like eighteen, in the nineteen and over. And um, the DJ looked at me and said, "What's your name?" And I said, "Baby Ice." And he's like, "Oh, we can't call you Baby Ice anymore. We have to call you Lady Ice." And it just stuck. <laughs> I like that. When do you feel sexiest? a hard one that <laughs> moment like after i finished putting on my makeup and right before i put on my clothes it's weird like, <laughs> like, like i set my makeup yeah and i put my hair on or however and like before i put on like because i'll be like because half the time i'm doing my, my makeup i'm like naked depending on, like if i have to leave mm-hmm. or whatever so the moment like sometimes i do my makeup first and then i get in the shower yeah it just sets better and I don't sweat, so my makeup kind of stays on. So right as I get out of the shower, right before I'm putting on my, my clothes, I'm like, What's hey, <laughs> <laughs> your favorite article of clothing? Sweatpants. Why sweatpants? I don't know. <laughs> I just love sweatpants. I love sweatpants. I like pajama pants. Like Tight or loose ones? Loose. Loose? Oh. Is it the way that the butt jiggles in the pants? I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I'm so comfortable. Like, I, I don't even wear a shirt. I'll just sit around the house and have those bare sweatpants. Like, I don't know. I just love it. For people that are listening to the podcast, what do you want them to take away from your story? That finding yourself is at your own pace and don't make anybody rush you to do that. And then when you do find yourself and you're living in your truth, don't make anybody, try to not make anybody deter you for that. Because I'm not going to say that I'm super, super self-confident all the time. Like I have those days where I feel like I just want to be by myself and gather my thoughts or there's days where I'm super passionate about things and I talk about things and people are like, yo, I just want you like that. And I'm just like, because. Like, at first, I wasn't always expressive with my feelings I was just expressive through dance and sometimes that can even be misinterpreted you know like a lot of people think that because I dance so sexual sexually I'm sexual all the time I've had that misconception with partners I've had a misconception with dating like oh she's like that so immediately when I meet her she's gonna be busting it open and I'm just like <laughs> I am such a, I am such a clamshell. Like you gotta pry me open certain times, certain times, and I'm not open. I'm open. So you know, and I had to learn that at my own pace. I had to learn that even in the club, that if I didn't want to do something, that was okay. Regardless if I was missing out on money opportunities, that was okay because I was not okay doing that, and I had to stick with that. So. And have and with, around like certain people and around you know the social climates and things like I was I doubt myself about it sometimes, but then other times I'm just like you wouldn't be authentic, authentically you know, and yeah. I just want everybody to really like get that if you're gonna be down about yourself about anything, it's just really being authentic to yourself all the time. Yeah, and I feel like that's the reason that I created this platform and the podcast because I just want people to see the actual person behind everything else that they see on the outside right I want to show the authentic unapologetic person that is beyond Instagram and beyond everything else I want people to see like that there is a person and at the end of the day people have feelings and yeah. How you talk to people, like, that can leave an imprint and that can actually stick with them, right? So it's, like, one right. of those things where the best way to kind of do it is, like, by talking about it. That's the only way to break yeah. stigmas. That's the only way 
to live authentically and unapologetically yourself, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, in a realm of even just dancing, everybody's like, oh, like, she's just making all this money, so she should be going outside and buying, like, really a designer and all these things. And I'm just like, I'd rather spend my money at nice restaurants. Why? Because that's authentically me. I like to eat. <laughs> I like to try different things to eat. And for a long time, I would sit down with myself like, I wonder if people think that I'm not as good because I don't show up on Instagram and because I'm not that type of personality. Because they see all these other personalities doing it. And I said, but that's good for them. That's what they want. You know, that's what they're getting out of it. I just wanted stability. You know, I enjoy entertainment and that's what I was getting out of it. Everything else was literally to keep my ass afloat, to make sure that I was always in a position to sustain myself, you know, because it became entertainment and a job. It wasn't like I'm just doing it to have things, you know, I was doing it because I enjoy doing it and the things that I gained from it came from that. So that's what I want everybody to take away from. Like you can be okay. Like you can be the best dancer and not in Gucci. It's fine. <laughs> that's what you that's not what you want to do, it's not what you want to do, it's fine. When people come and watch you perform, what do you want them to feel when they watch you? Open. Open. Because I interact a lot with, with people who are at my show or in the crowd and however and you know, people come in with like reservations or I've picked up girls on stage and they were like, I would never do this, you know? And then I'm like, well, how did you feel after? And they're like, yeah, it was fine. It was good. And I was like, that's the kind of barrier that I'm trying to break. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's fine. It's okay if you want to get on stage and get a lap dance from a girl or a guy. It's okay. Like, you shouldn't feel dirty or however after that because you may think that, or you may think that I'm thinking that of you. And I'm not, you know? You know, I make people think like, oh, like, Isaac, how do you feel after you did a show? Tired, hungry, <laughs> depending on my day. Like, you know, it took me a while to get out of the self-shame of, wow, I was just on stage and people seeing, like, my ass crack or my pussy at one point or whatever. But then it was like, it, that's fine. You know, it's perfectly fine. So that's kind of what I want people to take away from my show, just being open and, you know, receptive to things that happen in life and, and experiences in life because life should be an experience of big scrapbook of experiences. I like that. I like that. Open. Open yeah. seems like the thing that, first of all, if you're going to go to a strip club, like, I don't know why you're going to be a prude. So... <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna go to a party right. and there's a dancer there maybe that's not the party for you to go to <laughs> so right like if you're gonna be there and you're gonna put yourself in that kind of position at least be open about it right. and at least have fun like just let loose. that's what i tell people i'm like why did you if you're just coming here to sit in the corner and like hold your arms like oh, I'm like why did you come <laughs> Right? It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> a lot of people will just, like, go somewhere just to, like, pose up, pose up. I cannot be one of those people. If no. I took the time to do my makeup, do my hair, get it okay. together, I need to be in the center. Regardless of how you think I look, I am the one that put myself <laughs> together. So I'm going to show right? you that I don't care. I'm always in the center when I go to places because it's like I did not take the time to go and catch up in a corner. <laughs> like, to catch up in a corner to do all of that. Like, uh-uh. No. And then to think about the, the fun I could have been having when I washed off and make, oh, no, baby. Mm-hmm. Makeup is too expensive for that. I was just about to say that. It's really expensive. It's too expensive to be out here and not <laughs> have people see it. Or that. And half the time... When I go out, I don't go out to try to impress anybody. I go out because I want to go out. I want to feel good, right? So if you're going to go out and, like you said, have your arms all crossed, then why did you even bother coming out? Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) So I always ask this question for the ending of the podcast. 
I want to know okay. if there was a word that you could take away from a dictionary or like out of people's vocabulary and verbiage, like what would it be? If I can take it out? Mm-hmm. It's always a thinker. It's always one of those questions that make people think, right? Because it's kind of like every word. I don't, it's it's not a word. It's a phrase. It's a phrase. Because I feel like when people say it to me, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, okay, let me think of a word. Uh, something I can take out. Completely. I mean, if it's a phrase. No, I would take the word no out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I would take the word out of no out of people's vocabulary. <laughs> Why? Find a different way to tell me no, but don't tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> people always love saying no. I don't know why. Right? It's a weird one. But I can appreciate that. No. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like when toddlers say it, and you're just like, why is that the only thing that you want to say right now? Say something else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can understand why nope would be it. Yeah, thank you so much for Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited for everyone to check out your documentary. I'm going to put the link in thank the you. bio. Um, I'm also gonna, is it okay if I put your Instagram and everything so people yeah, can like, hit you up? Alright, so hit up Miss Lady Ice. I'm gonna put that also in the bio, her Instagram. Thank you for talking to me, and thank you for opening up, and, and thank you for being so patient with me, because guys, <laughs> we've been trying to do this for like two weeks, <laughs> and I keep getting busy, and I'm like, nah, I can't follow it all today, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not even like intentionally, I'm just like, two I days mean, in a day, I'm doing this. <laughs> I mean, I thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy, and I know you want to create your empire, and taking the time out of that to talk to me, like, it's much appreciate appreciated. It. Thank you. And everybody needs to support ICE. Support ICE. And check out the documentary. It's amazing. It definitely shows a different side of her. A side that, like you said, no one gets to see. Right? So it's it's definitely something worth sharing. So Thank you. Yeah. So that's all for me, the Thoughtful Ho. As always, Thoughtfully Yours, the Thoughtful Ho.